How many of you are glad to be in the house of God? Hey, how many of you are glad to be connected to the anointing of the Holy Ghost? Online, say, I'm connected. Count me in. I'm connected. Every campus, every location, our EFAM all over the world, and those of you on the West Coast, get your, uh, get your really comfortable shoes. Lace them up. Because Elevation Nights West Coast Fall 2022 is only a few days away. Get your tickets, please, at elevationnights.com. If you want to come to Glensdale, Glendale, not Glensdale, Walmarts, the book of Revelations, and Glensdale, Arizona. Y'all know I'm from Monk's Corner when I start saying we're coming to Glensdale, Arizona. Out there on the West Coast with them liberals out there eating tofu and gluten-free. Here's the cities. Glendale, Arizona, Las Vegas, Sacramento, Eugene, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Oakland, California. Oakland, y'all got to show some love. Y'all's ticket sales are way below all these other places, so I want to see you in Oakland. San Diego, California, and Los Angeles. Let's give God a praise. ElevationNights.com starts October 25th, right? But touch somebody and say, right now, it starts in here. How many came asking God to speak to you today? Well, we've worshiped Him, we've opened our hearts, we've sang about His goodness, and now it is time for us to receive from Him what he has prepared for us, and I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, I love this scripture, Romans chapter 4. Just stand up wherever you are for the Word of God. Jump up on your feet. Put the devil right under your left heel, then your right heel, and stand up for the Word of God, and be ready to receive this blessing. Thank you for your kindness and your expression of love shown for Pastor Appreciation Month. I'm going to have a Congregation Appreciation Month in return. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I got, I, got a, I got a heart to do it. It's going to be Congregation Appreciation Month. I got to meet with the committee on committees and figure out when, but make sure you come back, because I think of our relationship as a partnership in the gospel. I think of it for all of you who give serve, and pray for us, you will never know what that means. And even just you coming after I had to preach with nobody in the room for a couple months, even those of you who I used to fuss at because all you did is come and you don't serve and you don't give, now I'm like, well, that's something. Thanks for coming. You know, my, my whole frame of reference got reset during the pandemic. But thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing me and Holly to be your imperfect pastors. We appreciate the privilege to do ministry with you. You hear me? And to all of our campus pastors at every location, I appreciate you standing in the gap, praying for people, visiting people, enlisting people, enrolling people. Let's thank God for all the leaders at all of our locations, linking arms together for the cause of Christ. Oh, yeah. You can't do it alone, and you don't have to. And uh, everything God gives me that I filter and find helpful, I will share it with you as long as he gives me strength. Do we have a deal? Shake on it.
And then what you got to do, you got to take it, multiply it, teach it to others, put it into practice, share it, evangelize it, come, get strong in the Lord, do what he's called you to do. Go out and be a witness for him. Go out and do your ministry because that's my ministry to get you ready for your ministry. I'm not in the ministry. Oh, yeah, you are. You remember this. God uses people. Remember the little boy at the feeding of the 5,000? He wasn't in the ministry. Peter was. And Peter wanted to send the crowds away because he didn't have anything to give. It was somebody who wasn't in the ministry who created the ministry and the miracle. So don't ever, ever underestimate how God can use you. Okay, Romans chapter 4. You ready? Hmm, verse 13. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that, would, that he would be heir of the world. That's a big promise. But through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our Father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Ooh, we feel a little vibration, just a little shiver just went through you, and we start talking about what God can do. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without wavering in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being, last verse, fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. I'm going to read that again before I preach this thing like I feel it. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Now shift up back to verse 16, key verse. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. I always have two titles for a message, the one that I start with to study by and the one that I give you when I figure out what it's about after I studied everything I thought it was about and found out it was about something different because God had to show me. I usually only give you the second one. I'm going to give you both today. Title number one, The Faith of Abraham. The Faith of Abraham. Wow, that sounds like a whole book, Sunday school lesson at least. The faith of Abraham. 
But then I want to give it a second title in case that's a little too academic. And I want to call this message, Keep It A Hundred. Keep it a hundred. And just pick the title you like, but at least look at your neighbor for a moment on your way to your seat and say, Please keep it a hundred. You may be seated. Need you to keep it a hundred. Y'all, when I'm getting ready to preach and my mind starts getting all conceptual, I remind myself why I preach and who I'm preaching to. Every once in a while, I remember one specific conversation that I had with a lady in our church who was a part of our Toronto campus. This was about five years ago. Her husband had died suddenly. I didn't know her, but I called her just to say, I'm sorry that you lost your husband, and I'm praying for you, and I'd like to pray for you right now. And I did, and she was emotional. So the conversation was appropriately awkward, but I said, you don't need to say anything. I just want to pray for you. And right when I finished the prayer, before we hung up, she said, I need to tell you one thing. Now, English wasn't her first language. I'm not saying she spoke Canadian. She was, But she goes, I need to tell you one thing while I got you. My husband didn't consider himself a good person. He was abused as a boy, and he struggled a lot as an adult. It took me two years to get him to come hear you preach. But when I finally brought him, you told a story that Sunday. A story about, and then she reminded me of the story. I remembered telling it. It was embarrassing. It was a story about me losing my temper. She said, When you told that story, he began to cry because he saw somebody who loved God but still had struggles. I want to thank you, she said. For keeping it real. I'm like, oh, I thought you were saying thank you for being deep. <laughs> thought you recognized my preaching for its intelligence. You know, when you did that thing with Romans chapter 4, and then you went over to the book of Revelations after you went to Walmarts. <laughs> Call back. But she said she didn't say thank you for being funny. So you could tell just right then my humor is not that good. That was polite laughter. That was church laughter. That was an offering of love. You've heard of a sacrifice of praise. That was a sacrifice of laugh that you gave me because it wasn't funny. And I appreciate it. But I think about it often because when I hung up the phone, I was glad that God could use a broken vessel. But you know what else? Deep down, I hated it. That that was the thing that she thanked me for. Because that is the most costly thing to be, is real. If she had said, Thank you so much for your alliterated outlines, thank you so much for all your tweetable moments, thank you so much for the way that you dissect and parse Greek and Hebrew, I could go back to school. And for the price of a few thousand dollars, I could brush up on the original languages of the Bible. The books don't cost that much. But when she said, Thank you for sharing the stuff that makes you embarrassed, I felt like she was saying, We need to see you struggle. And I rebuke you, devil. <laughs> you know, it was 
a very tender moment for her and a very revelatory moment for me. That we all need those moments if we, if we really will admit it. Where someone that we respect, someone that we think, hey, they're really trying to. Someone that we may even feel like, man, they're a little further along in this than me, but they still struggle. It was powerful for me to realize, and at the same time, terrifying for me to realize that the thing that connected with her husband, who was taken from this life without a warning, the thing that connected with him and brought him to a place where he eventually put his faith in Jesus was not my impressive side. But my imperfect side, which to be honest with you, is the part that I want to hide from you the most, but it is the part that God uses in the greatest way. I think about that conversation a lot. You know, I get in there and think, ah, oh, what could I say this week that would be really, really, you know, profound? And what could I say this week that would be really memorable and sticky? And all that's great. You know, you got to bring everything you got to it. And if people are going to come out there, you preach. They deserve that you study. But it was that moment I told that story about the packing peanuts when they blew all over the yard, and I was out there cussing, and Graham was listening, and I didn't know it, and he was little, and I'm cussing at styrofoam packing peanuts after preaching for 13 Christmas services, telling people about the incarnate babe in the manger who came down from heaven to show us a gentler, kinder way. Kinder way. Right? That dumb story? Yeah, that dumb story. I bring it up. Because as much as I hate the feeling of being exposed, I'm recently learning some terms for this. Um, one thing it can be called is recoil. When I share a lot with you, and see, you don't have to tell me anything about you. You don't have to tell me anything about you. I meet, I meet, I meet your church version every week. And <laughs> that's the only version of you that I really get close enough to. And uh, maybe it's better we keep it that way. Okay? But at the same time, that I hate the expense of exposure because after I share something with you, I go back home and I'm like, did I say that out loud? That's typically what I do for 12 hours after I preach. Did I say that and that and that? Holly, I only thought that, right? I didn't say it. Oh, you said it. I said that? Yeah, you said that. Can we still edit it out of the video? No, it's already online. Oh. As much as I hate the expense of exposure, there's something I hate much more. And I'm going to tell you this. I hate fake. Hate it. Hate it. Maybe it's because a guy made me a custom suit one time, and I found out it was fake. A custom suit off the rack. The way I found out was I looked at the belt and it said Kenneth Colk with a K. So if the belt is fake, I looked into the suit. What were you doing all that measuring for? It was off the rack. I hate fake that that watch I bought in New York City. That thing broke in two weeks. I bought ten of them. I was gonna give them out as Christmas gifts. Mine broke. I threw them all away. I hate fake. 
I hate fake. You hate fake? I don't even really like small talk. Holly said to me the other day, you are so bad at small talk. You have got to get better at small talk. I'm like, teach me. I want to know how to do it. I want to, I just something about me. I just want to connect with the deepest part of you. I want to know what you struggle with. I want to know what you dream about. I want to know what you're tempted by. I want to know what you think about when there's nobody but you and God in a pantry full of food. Let me in. I hate fake. I hate fake friends. Just tell me you're my enemy because the Bible says love your enemies. At least I know what to do with you. If we could get the relationship established, I hate fake. Don't smile at me. Just flip me off. I'll turn the other cheek. Just slap me. Hate fake. In fact, my life can be divided. I'm getting to Romans 4, I promise. My life can be divided into the years before and after I found this out. I remember the day one of my family members told me, you know professional wrestling is fake, right? That ruined my childhood. That took my innocence. They ought to put people in jail who tell you stuff like that too young. You mean Hulk Hogan is fake? The Ultimate Warrior is fake? The Big Boss Man is fake? Dusty Rhodes? That's the American dream! How can the Americans polka dots fake too? She said, You know, it's fake. And Gene Haynes took us to a wrestling match and he walked us up. I said, Man, I don't even really want to go anymore. I found out it's fake. And he walked me up to the mat and he goes, stomped your foot on that. And it was hard. And then he said, when you see them slamming each other on that hard floor, does that feel fake? Now, I don't know how I remember this, but he said something like this, and I probably changed it a little bit. I'm going to keep it 100. I don't know if he said exactly like this or if I'm just morphing it to be the perfect sermon quote. <laughs> Got that? Keep it real. He says something like, just because the ending is scripted doesn't mean the impact isn't real. So I took this from it. It's fixed, but it's not fake. You still got to pick up 280 pounds over your shoulder. You still got to do the Boston Crab. You remember the Boston Crab buck? That Boston Crab still feels funny. But just because the ending is predetermined, I remember the day I found out it was fake. Do you remember the day that you found out that a lot of what happens in churches and faith circles is as fake as big men on steroids covered in oil wearing spandex underwear? And I'm just trying to make sure you're not hungry so you can listen to me. That's why I went into so much detail. I saw you get a little disgusted when I said that. Because it is, it's, it's something about finding out that a lot of the people who were telling you, oh, we've been happily married 35 years, you don't know they've been married 45 years. <laughs> happily married for 30, do the math. And I don't tell you about those 10. 
those hidden ten. Oh, we just trust God. And I never set out to be this real preacher telling embarrassing stories on myself, but I couldn't stand the fakeness that I sometimes experienced. I mean, come on, we all we all have moments where we aspire to one thing, we live another. That's not called hypocrisy, by the way. That's called humanity. Oh, I thought that preacher was a man of God. Then I found out they were a fake. Not necessarily. They might have been really sincere in their faith, just weak in their humanity and flesh, just like you are. Let's keep it a hundred. We all need the grace of God. None of us want all of our business on the front page of anything ever. So, part of me in reading Romans 4 was realizing that we are hearing about a hero of the Jewish faith and the Christian faith. He's an interesting guy, and his name is Abraham. You've heard of him. You've heard of him. He is nicknamed, if he had a WWF, the Worldwide Worship Federation. This stuff just comes to me. The Holy Spirit gives it to me on the spot. I just say it. <laughs> I put that on the list for. Did I say that out loud? That was so corny. It said in the thing, it said that Abraham is the father of many nations. Some call him the father of faith. Not just for Jews, speaking from a diasporic or a genetic or even a religious position, but everyone who believes in this God. Yahweh, revealed in the person of Yeshua, Jesus, can trace it back to Abraham's faith. That's what the passage is about. And One thing I want to show you in verse 16, please write some of this down so you can revisit it later. He says that the promise, speaking of the promise that God gave to Abraham, what was the promise? The promise was, I'm going to bless the whole earth through you. I'm going to give you a boy. Your boy is going to have boys. Those boys are going to have boys. There's going to be women that give birth to the boys, and it's all going to result in a nation called Israel that will bless the earth, right? Now we find ourselves in Romans chapter 4, where the apostle Paul is basically having to challenge these believers who want to be circumcised. You know what that is? <laughs> 